stars of the culture wars. I'm your host Alexandra Marshall and this week we are joined by Dia. Well welcome to the show Dia, lovely to have you here. Thank you for inviting me, it's like you were on my show so obviously the, the favour has been returned and I love it, thank you. It's reciprocal in the world of political commentary. Uh, mm. So you just for your, uh, viewers who may not know who you are, you are describe yourself as a social commentator, freelance DIY journalist, and YouTube. Are you got your own YouTube channel? What do you mean by DIY journalist? Talk us to that one. Oh, just um, that like I haven't got a degree or anything. I wouldn't actually ever say I'm a journalist. I think I wrote that under the understanding that um, I didn't want people to to say I was a journalist or that I was trying to be a journalist. So I sort of wrote DIY. Like sometimes I'll do a little piece like a little, my own little version of a 60-minute piece where I'm talking about an issue that no one else has thought to talk about. And um, it's it's a, my form of, like, for example, I went to the hospitals. I went to a major hospital in Sydney and I went to the COVID bit. Uh, there was no one there, completely empty, crickets, tumbleweeds. Um, no, no journalist um, on 60 Minutes or Current Affair or Today Tonight or whatever had thought to do that. Um, and so I did. And so that's why I say DIY journalist, because I just think to do things on my own. Sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so the world of Australian journalism, particularly if you're on the fringe, not writing with an establishment, you are doing your own work, is quite a cutthroat industry. It's not one that you can break into with ease, particularly if you're on the right instead of the left. Did you sort of fall into it or did you find it was a tricky thing to break into journalism? Oh, well, again, I'm actually not a journalist. I need to be clear. I am a social commentator. but the I do the same thing you do. I'm not a journalist either. I'm a political opinion writer. Um, but I mean like the world of writing. Oh, that, that whole entire realm. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I fell into it because um, several years ago, um, originally my YouTube channel started off as, as a failed comedy attempt. I was just doing stupid skits with my girlfriends and they, they were so happy to to play along and be a part of it. But then um, I stopped using my channel for maybe a year, a year and a bit. I was just watching what was going on. YouTube at the time was atheists versus Christians. That was what I was watching. And I'm like, oh, this content is interesting. And I, I like watching atheist content because it makes me question things in the Bible. Then when I look at the Bible, I'm like, well, the atheist is wrong. Like it just, it just um, confirms my faith. But um, after a while, you see a shift from, from that content to atheists and Christians being anti these things called leftists and these people who complain about words. And I'm like, oh, YouTube's changed. What's happened? And then you see this onslaught. You see these Ben Shapiro, Stephen Crowders. Now, Stephen Crowder was my first sub. I was He was like king to me at the time. 
and then you see Milo Yiannopoulos and all these people who who you would not normally place together in a group of, of friends going against this other narrative. And um, I had so much I wanted to say on it. I had so much I wanted to participate with. And so that's when I restarted my YouTube channel and it became social commentary. But at the time I was sort of modeling my channel after bearing. So I was a cartoon face. I was these huge eyes. I mean, I'm that anyway, but I was the cartoon of me was like anime, these huge eyes where I just speak and then and then comment on, you know, traffic lights and like how having a woman is somehow beneficial to, to women in any way and Islam and all of these different topics. And eventually I started getting out there. I didn't just want to be an armchair critic. I wanted to get out there and talk to people. And then that's when um, I became more uh, involved physically in this type of um, arena. And it had some good results and some um, unfortunate results. But I am here now and um, I, I now have learnt who to trust, who not to trust. And, um, yeah, it's it's. I've had varying degrees of success with certain videos and vlogs and, um yeah, it's not, I keep doing it because it's important. Like I've wanted to stop many, many, many times. But then when you think about, okay, you've lost all these friends, you've lost all these people, people who were on board with what you were doing originally, but then when you change the content and you shift it and it turns to more faith-based content, issue-based content, uh, political-based content, people aren't, aren't down. But um, what I do is far bigger than what, I, what I'm about. And um, I would keep doing it even if, if I remain at the level that I am, even though I have like, I've had huge people on my channel. It's gone up like this almost 7,000 subs. So I'm quite proud of that. But um, it's, it's, it's really about the message rather than anything else. Yes, well, you and I are quite politically different. I mean, for a start, even on faith-based issues, I'm obviously a secular humanist or an atheist, if you like, and you are religious. And so we take a, a different approach, almost polar opposites on many things. But what most people are agreeing on, and you touched on it with your explanation of Crowder and Milo coming into the scene, is most people are finding themselves disagreeing with the radical Marxists, the radical left, coming in with their obliteration of the English language, their denigration of the schooling industry, the way they have taken hold of society in a radical way that we haven't seen for many, many decades in politics. Was that what actually spurred you on or was that just something that happened while you were already interested in political commentary and already there on the scene? Um, that was definitely a contributing factor. I think what, what got me into it was more that I felt like um, I had I a... Had, uh, a particular perspective that maybe wasn't being explained. Um, but the, the fact is, the fact is that leftism, liberalism, Marxism, however you want, whatever words you want to use to decorate it, have infiltrated their way into church, have infiltrated their way into education, infiltrated their way into the judicial system, infiltrated their way into society and their um, generic thinking at large. That has to stop. I don't like it, especially because most churches today are garbage. I don't know what biblical churches exist anymore. There are charismatic churches and they speak in these weird languages. There are there are other types of churches that don't talk about the Bible. They talk more about it's like motivational speech. Like I don't want my faith to be affected. And then if that's what's happening in churches, what's happening to my niece and my nephew at schools? Are they going to be taught about sex and, and that you can be a boy? if you want to when you grow up and you can be a girl if you want to when you grow up all of that 
is what I'm fighting against. And that is where you and I and the Milos, I guess, uh, and all of those sorts of people can unite. Those are the issues that we want to eradicate and have removed. And the, the foundations of Australia, the original constitution 1901 is not utilised. Um, we're operating under a completely different constitution. Nothing that, no laws that have passed in the last, um, I think since the 60s or 70s, um, have been technically lawful because we're no longer operating under the original constitution. It's just madness where we are and that more voices yeah, like that, us. That is a great example of one of the places where we differ. So I have heard that argument many times. I've looked at it and from a legal standpoint, the argument's not doesn't hold up in court, but what you it, are correct it may about, not. It, no, no, what you are correct about is that the original assumptions and conventions that were written into our constitutional law have been eroded by the courts. Things that there went to a referendum and were rejected at referendum were then brought in by the High Court against the will of the people. And we've watched basically. You can listen to other um, legal commentators. They do talk about it, but not nearly enough, the erosion of our principles of law. And we have worked out, particularly with COVID, that we don't have as many constitutional protection as perhaps Australians thought they had. A lot of it is implied because our founding fathers simply did not believe that they would ever be challenged in the way that we are seeing now. Uh, and it's not taught in law. It's not taught in no. classes. No one, Australians don't know their constitution. Like, no, they assume what they're constituted. A lot of Australians believe that it's sort of a mix of the American system of enshrined Oh, they rights. do. They and, uh, yeah, when you say, no, you don't have freedom of speech is only implied. It's been tested a couple of times in law. Oh, it is and implied. Some of the yeah, some of the conventions have held up, but it's not, it's not like a, a mandate like it is over in America. It's not a, a fundamental basic right here. Um, no, the, I did know that it's uh, unless it's uh, political or uh, there's there's a subsection that's that's it that for political political association is, of freedom to, freedom assemblies is in short. Although in COVID the mandates walk straight over the top of that. So um, unless yeah. you're Black Lives Matter, unless you remarks the organisation, you're completely <laughs> correct. Uh, so retarded. What I, what I particularly wanted to talk to you about is as um, a relatively young person in this political industry. Um, you are growing up in the era of cancel culture and yeah. this world where you are not allowed to develop your ideas, you're not allowed to change your mind, you never get forgiven for a mistake, um, particularly if you're on the right. If you're on the left, you can go into face a war memorial and you won't even be sacked by your Greens MP. You can and blackface is fine. Down, you can tear down public statues, you can deface um, public property and buildings which are heritage, you can set them on fire. Uh, none of these things will get you removed from office and they certainly won't taint you for the rest of your political career. Would you say that you've had an experience where perhaps you've changed your mind or you've adapted your ways and do you regret or would you have done anything differently growing up if you knew how, how this landscape really worked? I think navigating um, the political realm is tricky, especially when you don't have people kind of helping you out. Like uh, I... I'm not that woman who acquires something called intuition. I, I, I don't have that. And so when I make a bad decision, um, unfortunately, people find out about it and then I'm punished for it. Um, so I wish I had had someone to, to sort of um, like take the reins and be like, okay, 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 stop. You need to stop doing this and you need to stop doing that because of, it'll equal this. Um, 
But again, I, I'm trying to sort of deflect a little bit and be like, I wish someone had said this. Some, I should have had the sense on my own as well. But um, I do wish I do wish I had had someone that did step in and, and told me, like, you know, stop giving these people a chance because this, this is what will happen. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I've made mistakes and, and, I, and I've regretted those mistakes. But what I've also noticed is that, the people who are supposed to be supporting you and helping you say, okay, I don't identify anymore as a conservative and I haven't for a while even made a video about that, but I still I still am on that part of the ruler. There's the left, there's the centre, there's the right, and I've, I've gotten rid of the ruler. I'm not on it. I'm not a centrist. I'm not a leftist. I'm not on the right either. But whether I like it or not, that is, that, that's where most of um, my morals, that's where most of the, my policies and all that kind of stuff are. And, like, I'm a sharer, right? I share. I share. Someone asks me to share a video, I will. If someone says do this, I will. I mean, I'll make sure that I agree with it first. But I'm a sharer. But when you're, when you're tainted, people are afraid of you. And by people acting afraid of you, they are adding to what the left is doing. And, they, and that's, that's, I find that really bad. I don't like that. It's like, hey, um, can, I, can I this, can I that? It's like. I don't know. I, I think what I'm trying to say is that um, we should all be in each other's corner on on this side, on this conservative side. But there are people who who add to that by by being like, well, no, we can't have her on because she was just recently on the news, and 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 this and this and this and this. It's not helpful to the person who's being tarnished. You're adding to the to the narrative that um, that I or whoever should should you know should be kept away. That, that doesn't help the situation. Um, it's taken almost two years for me to, to recover. I've had amazing celebrities on my channel. I've had amazing um, right-wingers, of, of, you know, but, but it took two years for that to, to occur. But, um, well, yeah, so well, I, do, I, do, I do have regrets. Yeah, well, let's um, have a look at how the, how the Guardian, for instance, and your own party, what used to be your own party, would treat you because a lot of people won't be familiar with your story. So we will just glide back for two seconds to have a look. Um, there was a guy, I think it was in 2019, The Guardian uh, wrote an article just uh, describing you, sorry, it was written by Christopher Naus and Michael McGowan, two of yeah, the okay. uh, regulars. Um, and they, their headline is, Victorian liberals fear far-right incursions as YouTuber attends party event. Your prime in this case was attending a party. And even yeah. MPs who met you and said hi, had to explain themselves for saying hi to somebody they didn't know, because obviously, mm. I mean, you're not a you're not an MP, but they had to apologise for saying hello to someone who they didn't know. Um, and that's the, funny. The, uh, yeah, I know. And your presence there was actually um, dobbed in by a Liberal MP um, who didn't want you there, and uh, this was part of when you were rebuilding your image as well. This is kind of the idea of if you've done anything wrong ever, even if you're, you've made a mistake, on the right, you're stuck with it. And every time they print an article about you, every time you read something, and there are plenty of figures who suffer the same fate where they will preference your name with far right or you're in a photo with this person or you did a video with this person or you appeared on this platform is that something you think you will ever be able to get away from? And do you find that disingenuous of these reporters who taint every article with that before your name forevermore? Well, it will happen anyway. Like, whether you like it or not, like, what, 
Ben Shapiro was a Nazi to, to this to, to many people. Like it happens anyway. That the point is that in my case, I was never far right. Like to be far right, you have to tick a certain amount of criteria that I just don't meet. I, I just don't. Um, but yes, I give people a chance. Yes, I will. I will. I will acquaint myself with people because I don't believe what the media says about those people. But I certainly learned for myself. Definitely, I learned for myself. But um. In, in terms of uh, the Liberal Party was never my party, just to clarify that, but I did attend um, a fundraiser to help them. It was an $85 ticket just to sit at that fundraiser. So I, I didn't, I wasn't there as a member of the Liberal Party, but um, they didn't know I was there, I guess, because I, I used my real name. I didn't go in as Dia Beltran. I went in as um, my, my real name. And so they didn't know that I was there. Maybe had they have known, they would have declined me upon entry um, or, or even prior ticket wise. But uh, yeah, look, someone um, in the in the party obviously didn't want me there. The, the problem with the Liberal Party is it's full of and cowards, and it's full of uh, lefties and, and right wingers. So it, it's sort of an unusual an unusual mix there. And MP, um, and MP who leaked to the Guardian as well, it appears to be full of people who who are deliberately linking to far left fringe journalists. And the the Guardian is a fringe publication. We we can do a little bit of association. We can do some tape by association with the Guardian if you like, because they publish authors who think things like the Great Reset are are a, a, a conspiracy theory, even though they're in print and well funded. Uh, mm. But what I to give you an example of how extreme the guilt by association tag is, um, and and while you might have earned some of your criticism, I'll give you an example of how how far it goes. I attended. Um, a, a short interview as a very fresh young um, political commentator on the scene. I went down to Melbourne to appear on the Unshackled to talk about bushfires. Okay, it wasn't okay. even a, a political article. I was there as a victim of bushfires, talking about um, how the bush management goes oh. in Australia. And from and that, now you're a victim um, of floods. <laughs> a Melbourne, yes, of course, a Melbourne journalist with a blue tick on Twitter by the name of Benjamin Miller then decided to put up a series of tweets where he'd use my photograph on the unshackled and then put under it um, other images and discussion in order to tie me to the New Zealand massacre, despite the fact that, of course, the massacre happened before I was a political commentator and I have yeah. nothing ever to do with politics of that. And that is how they construct a narrative around you. And once yeah. someone like that, the blue tick, puts it up in the, in the arena and all of their blue tick journalists mates start reblogging it, what was complete fiction can become uh, an assumed fact by nothing Slander. more than hearsay and, hearsay and whispers. And, yes, it is defamation. But, of course, there's nothing mm -hmm. you can do about defamation, defamation in that world. And the left are absolutely famous for trying to defame their political opposition through, uh -huh. through nothing. You might have, shaked, you might have you know, met somebody, uh, shook their hands at a party once. You might have shared yeah. a stage with them. So what I really want to get to is this idea of, appearing on something like Unshackled, um, they believe that if you appear on a platform, you therefore must adopt the entire mantra of yeah. a platform. I that, you endorse, that you endorse. Yes, and I deliberately reject this because, first of all, you can't apply that to a university. If you appear on a university platform to have a debate, you are not automatically subscribing to all of the policies of the university. But yeah. my main rebuttal is, well, I spend 99% of my time on Twitter, which is the Marxist golden child of Silicon Valley, so... <laughs> Surely, by that thinking, I would be a Marxist. What are your thoughts yeah. on 
with taint by association from appearing on certain platforms. I hate it. I completely disagree with it. I've been invited on Red Ice TV. That's a completely white nationalist um, platform. But um, we weren't able to make it happen. Does that automatically make me a white nationalist? I'm not a white nationalist, given the fact that I'm not even technically of Australian heritage. How the hell am I a white nationalist? Like, it would be extremely stupid to to taint someone by that, which is why I didn't understand at the time why I was why I was being tarnished like this, like I was such an evil person. Because anyone who knows me knows, at best, I'm naive. At worst, um, I'm an idiot. Like it, it's just it. Everything else around me, everyone's like, oh, wow, she's, she's, really, she's really on top of this, she's really bright, she gets along with people. All those things about me are true, but sadly, um, yes, you, you, you give someone a chance, you become friendly with someone, you show up on a platform, that doesn't mean you endorse those ideas. It simply means that you're, you're giving a chance to, to, to someone or you're giving a chance to a platform so that, you know, you can share an opinion. Those... The, it's, it's not a hard concept to grasp. I appeared on a socialist program. I filmed it, hasn't okay. been released yet. But they asked me if I, if I wanted to talk about the monarchy. And I thought, well, I mean, it's, it's done by a socialist MP in the UK. My politics okay. are obviously nothing like their politics. They post videos on the that I would yeah. never subscribe to, I would never uh, endorse. But I have always been of the old school political uh, persuasion where you should be having conversations uh, with the wider branch of politics if only to understand the political viewpoint because blocking viewpoints out does not make them go away. If you no. don't like an idea, sometimes the best thing to do with an idea is to actually confront it, uh, to question it and to find out where an idea like that actually comes from. Uh, so give if you give me. anything oxygen no i agree with you you have to give every idea oxygen so that then people can go well that person's a moron that person's an idiot those beliefs are stupid yeah of course they give everything an opportunity to be heard but in today's day and age um that's really rare now it's really rare well i don't know if you've seen footage of jordan peterson before he he was ill he was being blockaded at universities at one point when he was speaking because in university. of compelled speech, right? Compelled speech, um, but they went so far with Jordan Peterson, they actually barricaded him inside one of the speaking events, and they were oh. bashing on the doors and smashing on the windows. That's pure intimidation. So deplatforming goes lots of different ways, but it goes from just simply tarnishing a platform to actively abusing the people who are trying to speak and threaten them. With violence because if they do that's easier it's easier to cut off the person at the source than to give them a voice so they yeah so like rather than than debate a person respectfully i'm not a very good debater but i'll certainly interview someone and get an understanding and push back a little bit but uh, it, rather than debating or having the discourse it's easy to cut them off at the source in this case barricading them or you know removing them from twitter and every other platform and um it's just easier and th they know that too they, they know that there's a problem with their own ideas. They must. Otherwise, why do that? Yes, well, it's essentially what I like to call uh, silencing via the six degrees of Kevin Bacon meme, where if you were in a room of somebody else who had a photograph of somebody else who did a video with on a different platform, well, then you're screwed forever because you have somehow, by this little network, related yourself to somebody. And the left oh. is able to use it as a weapon 
to eradicate basically an entire side of politics because politics is a small world. Um, and so everyone is related to everybody else at some point and in some way. And so no matter what you do, you are going to be attacked. And so I prefer just to confront the left and be like, right, hi, uh, mm-hmm. let's have a chat about what you associate yourselves with and what you're not just people you know, but what you yourself personally have done. And that's something they want to avoid because they know as soon as they start being called out and conservatives stop running away from these cheap uh, tricks, then they're going to be in trouble. Uh, but I'll give you an example of, of what ha- how you get past deplatforming. There was a fabulous story of Winston Churchill who was barred from speaking at an event. And so what he did was he drove a, uh, he got into a cab and drove it up to the front of the event, stood on top of the cab, and then, of course, gave his speech not to the small group of people who were booked to be in the audience, but into the masses that accumulated outside to so watch the great story. Yeah, that's so a great, that's that a great is, loophole. <laughs> exactly. So, but the problem, and it points out the problem with trying to silence speech, whether you're doing it because you think it's hate speech or you're doing it because you're afraid of the accuracy of the speech, is that you magnify it. Um, and so, that was always my argument against, against censorship. If you're, if you want to use censorship to get rid of bad ideas, all you're going to do is make those bad ideas grow. Would that be that's true? Yes, that's true. Every single time they've blocked Stephen Crowder from from YouTube, they go to his mug club, and then he gets he gets more viewers that way. Every time they blocked uh, Milo Yiannopoulos from Twitter, they would go to Telegram and follow him there. Like it, it absolutely. Um, it does the opposite on some on some level for those who are not politically aware or aware full stop. Um, they don't care and they go on their little lives being mums and, and watching, you know, the morning show and, you know, that's their bubble. But for those who are a little bit more aware um, and, and, want, and like and enjoy the content of those people, they go out, they seek it. They're like, okay, so he's not here anymore, but where is he now? Absolutely. I just wanted to also make a mention earlier. We're, we're focusing a lot on the left. I, I'm not... I'm not, I don't mind attacking my own. And so I'm happy to also say that the right has responsibility. If someone on your platform gets, if someone gets in trouble, like I did in the past, like Nicole Arbor did, like a lot of, a lot of people are, it's up to people um, on the right to be like, well, we know that this girl's kind. We know that this, this, this guy is, is, it has, is a person of honor to then elevate them and be like, what happened? What did you do? Blah, blah, blah. Like, but, um, they don't do that. There's a lot of, as, I, as the word is, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of SJW types in our own movement who, who don't assist in that manner, and um, and I think that needs to be called out as well. But of course, it's mainly the left. It is mainly the left. What well, politics is that game? That is a problem. The reason it's on both the left and right is because it's a function of, of political uh, dialogue where you have. Uh, groups forming who are ideological based and so in order to protect their positions of power they will cluster together and there's something you can avoid about that but just before we move on while we're on topic of politics Mm. did you ever consider going into politics do you consider it now or are you happier to report on politics rather than actually be in the thick of the fray yeah no I will never enter politics it'd have to be a really really um in uh all the stars would have to align for something like that for me to ever do. I have been introduced to the concept of it through my friend and mentor, Ricardo Bosi, but um, it's not something that I think I could ever do. Um, I, could, I can barely handle uh, navigating it um, just as a, as a commentator and being female 
um, in the space that I'm in now. So to, to then enter the fray as, as someone in the thick of it would be very, very tricky. And also not to, not to sound overly traditional, um, I, I, I think women are better at, 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 at the talking, at the observing, at the commentating than they are physically um, in the game. Not to say that there aren't great female politicians. There are. I um, fight you on that one. Absolutely fight you to the oh, death yeah, on that yeah. one. That's, no, that's <laughs> fine. I'm, ha I'm happy for you to disagree. I don't mean uh, to I'm say that women shouldn't... I'm a top-level political predator on that circumstance. I will stand happily in the room with any man and pair them to bits, and I enjoy good. that. But no, I that's, that's good. I'm... <laughs> I no, I wasn't... I wasn't... No, 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 but the thing is it, it takes a certain type of woman. I'm not that type of woman. Uh, like a masculine-minded type of a woman, someone like an Emma Eros, someone like obviously you, someone like a Margaret Thatcher or an Indira Gandhi. It takes a certain type of woman. I don't think every woman is built for it, which is why I think biblically it also says that it's more of a male role. But there are women, some women, who are naturally built for it, someone like um, Ann Coulter. She would be perfect in, in the political realm rather than just her commentating and her books. She should be in politics. Um, but, like, yeah, that, that's all I'm saying. I think it, it is a predominantly uh, male uh, industry for a reason, but that doesn't mean that some women aren't, aren't great at it. That's all I was going to say. It's That's not about filling a quota for me. You have to be the right type of woman to enter that industry. Does that make more sense? Is that, is that more yeah, fair? Yeah, well, always, you know, I've always been against the concept of quotas. I think if a woman... Uh, wants to be in a certain industry, she will push to be there and she will be a much better uh, participant of that industry if she's had to fight to be there. Uh, oh, absolutely, and, and that I don't disagree with you on. And that's not to say that if, if there are actual physical and legal boundaries to a woman achieving a career, then they should be removed. So I'm still a feminist in the old school way of, sure. you know, we agree in equality of opportunity. What absolutely I don't agree, agree. with isn't it? I don't agree in equality of representation because every industry, by we default, agree. Has, yeah, has different okay. representations of gender. So yeah, we do I, agree. I just needed to clarify that. Yeah. No, no, I accept that there will probably never be a 50-50 split in women unless they are parachuted into those seats against the, the trend of merit, which is, you know, it's For just... Sure. How, how do I say that? If you've got more it's of a gender... Yeah, if you've got more of a gender who wants to be in a topic, you will obviously have more percentage, statistically speaking, purely who are qualified to be there, which will then which will change the statistics. It does not mean that the individuals who make it there are more or less qualified than each other. I mean, as you say, you can look at, you can look at Margaret Thatcher. She's probably maybe even more qualified than Churchill had she been given two world wars to win um, in her position than any guy that was standing there. And yeah. It, what worries me about politics today is they are eroding confidence in women by mm. shoehorning women uh, to positions they didn't earn. And I find Absolutely. that troublesome. Yeah, because you will always be seen as a quota. Yeah, so like that's that. Well, I don't fit the category. I don't have the mental... Uh, the mental capacity, I think. I'm definitely emotionally very strong and mentally far stronger than I ever realised, and I know that in the last two and a half years, but... I don't think I would I would be right for the role, um, but someone like you who fight tooth and nail, any guy, you probably would be fantastic for the role. I'm just I just don't think I would be. Yeah, no, but it'd be a lark, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but you know, if we had this idea on the right of just creating parties on the fringe like the left do all the time, that there are lots and lots of parties, you would probably be in politics by default because you probably would have ended up in one of those political groups, and they probably would have put you into 
a list and uh, we probably. just don't have as many. Yeah, you probably would have been mm. involved in politics just by the sheer numbers of how that industry works. Yeah. Um, whether you wanted to or not, you might have been a hostage in politics. But uh, <laughs> uh, look, you, you had a, a you brushed on the fact of uh, tribalism in politics. And I've noticed it all, I mean, it's always been a tribal game. Let's not pretend otherwise from the beginning of time no. onwards. But recently, I've noticed that politics is jumping from trending hashtag to trending hashtag continuously without developing Asian hate. Without, without developing any substance behind, and there's no political ramifications for these social um, leaps that are being taken, do you find the lack of, of um, substance in the vacuous politics we're engaging in is damaging the political landscape? It's all distraction. It's distraction from the real issue. And the real issue is, I guess, the, without coming off as too conspiratorial, like is, is the New World Order, the Great Reset, all that kind of stuff. So everyone, everyone is going on about Asian hate, Meghan Markle, um, whatever else, whatever else the issue is of the day, rather than um, realizing that um, the face of human history is going to change before we know it, and everything around that is a distraction. Um, oh, election fraud. Oh, all this, all this, all that. Um, not to say that those things didn't happen, but let's stick to let's stick to Bill Gates. And all of the all the injections he gave children in Africa that made them um, sick or dead or deformed. Let's talk about the pedophilia that's happening in Parliament and in um, in Congress and and child sex slavery. Let's talk about um, all of those issues are actually interconnected. So if you talk about one of those issues, you're you're essentially opening up the red pill for people on every other issue. Let's talk about COVID and the hospitals and how many people on ventilators died when they weren't even supposed to be on ventilators. These are the real issues. But talking about, oh, Megan, Michael lied about something, I'm not going to lie. I, I really got off on that story and I really liked it. But I know it's a distraction. But my, the point is that, like, let's talk about those things. Um, and obviously we can't always have our head in there. Like, you need a break. Go take your dog for a walk. Go watch an episode of something wholesome like the Brady Bunch, Let, like, talk, talk, of course, distract the distractions, we need them, but um, you choose them, you choose your distractions, don't, don't just sit there believing, oh, now everyone hates Asians, because this one person killed six Asians, but, and then that seventh person was a white woman, but let's not mention the white woman, it, we're, we're being um, socially, what's the word, engineered to, to, to talk about what they want us to talk about, and so we do. It's absolutely well, a distraction. Well, a, a long time ago I said in the podcast that they they turned politics into a type of Romanesque theatre where we're all sitting around uh, watching the gladiators fight as a form of entertainment to keep us distracted from the collapse of our economic system and the collapse of our liberties and freedoms. And this was before COVID these comments were made and it's only gotten worse since that has, well that done. has happened. Well done. Politics is basically now a way of entertaining the masses with mm. social concepts that uh, mm. the politicians don't really do anything about. They just use social topics because they're easy and they don't require any policy and they don't require any money uh, to keep us off the scent of um, the really serious economic problems. For example, I'm not going to talk about it, but the green bubble in economics is like the housing bubble where they're creating these massive loans and debts which are all going to collapse. I mean, that's serious, but you'll never hear it trend in the news. Uh, but no, I, there's a lot of things you'll never hear trend in the news, a lot, a lot of real issues. 
But I'll ask you just two more questions because I've kept you already today. Um, no, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> it's a, a fun question. A world, uh, like a world without Trump has been a quiet world when he was banned off social media. Uh, apparently he's coming back. Are you looking forward to the return of Trump to the social narrative? Yeah, I suppose so because it, it, it was a fun distraction and, and the way he trolls people and the way they get so outraged for literally nothing, it is funny. Um, I didn't know he was officially coming back. I know he spoke at CPAC, um, but uh, as much as I am a fan of his, I, I don't, like, seek out his speeches and, like, um, I have other things to do. But um, is he coming back uh, as a 2024 candidate? Is that, is that, is that, no, is no, that the he's thing? No, no, he's coming back on social media. He's coming back onto social media. Uh, okay. There's a new platform coming up, and so he's found a way to bring his voice back into a, a very interesting <laughs> discussion. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's great. I'm all for it. Yeah, Sorry. politics has been quite boring. Politics has been boring without him, and I have to admit, the boring. newspapers have been filled with nothing since he left. Yeah, it's so boring. Yeah, and like, um, he's made all these mistakes. Uh, Biden has made all these mistakes, and um, all Trump had to do, Trump gave him a silver platter, and he sort of has already eroded it. Um, yeah, no, I, I think Trump coming back is 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 only going to be a positive thing, and um, I'm I'm excited for a world where where lefties start to get tormented all over again. <laughs> What's almost what we were talking about before with the idea of deplatforming, all that happens is that people come back stronger, right. they find a way around it, and then they're untouchable because they've built their own platform and so they've lost their ability to be censored. Yeah. Uh, and uh, one final question to finish, which is a fun question we always do yeah. on Curtain Call, uh, and that is if you could have dinner with anybody, living or dead, yeah. who would it be and why? I thought about this last night and my obviously my answer as a Christian would be Christ. But second to that, not to say that in terms of status, it's actually second. Um, my actual answer to that is going, because I'm going to meet Jesus one day anyway, um, Audrey Hepburn. For those who know me, you know, for those who know me really well, you know that I love old films and um, that kind of thing. Audrey Hepburn was so kind and she worked for UNICEF before it was evil. Um, And, like, I don't know, there's just something. Can you hear a dog in the background? It's okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So Audrey Hepburn is my answer because I've always admired her. I loved her um, in Roman Holiday. I loved her in... um, Sabrina, I loved her in Funny Face. Um, and I feel like when I watch biographies or I've read biographies about her that I, I don't know, it's so dumb. I feel like I connect with her. So my answer is Audrey Hepburn because I want to ask her all these questions and what it was like working with Humphrey Bogart and what it was like, um, you know, just being in that era, which is an era I should have been born in and been a part of, but nope, I'm in this era. <laughs> Well, that at least is a unique answer to that question. We've not had Audrey Hepburn before. Uh, thank you so <laughs> Thank you so I'm much. A unique for person. Thank you for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on Curtain Call. Oh, thank you for not being afraid to have me. <laughs> thank you for joining us on Curtain Call. We are hosted by The Good Source, the home of conservative and libertarian voices. Help us fight fake news by following us online. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and all good podcasting services. If you enjoy this content, please like and subscribe.